When we are tense, it stops or it slows the flow of energy and of blood, of lymph. It doesn't heal as fast as when we are relaxed. It's all about the psychology of believing we're being healed. If someone believes they are being healed, their bodies will enter in a parasympathetic nervous system state, which allows for more healing of the tissues. All the enzymes and hormones that are released help with these processes. Welcome to Plugged Into Awareness. This is Mars Lopez, aka The Conscious Counselor, here with Joe Peter. And today we are going to talk about the power of the mind, its influence in healing and the placebo effect. So the title we've chosen for this episode is based on a medical report mentioned in the book, The Lost Art of Healing, which I told you about. Have you checked it? Uh, yeah, I did. I knew the experiment before from um, another source and then I checked the book and uh, yeah, I did. Great. Yeah, it's a book by Dr. Bernard Lohn, who's a renowned cardiologist and Nobel Prize winning physician. And the book is all about understanding the person who's presenting the illness and not just the illness itself. The juice is on chapter three, where the author mentions a report in an Indian medical periodical describing an experiment conducted to a criminal condemned to death by hanging. And in the experiment, the physician, a Hindu physician, persuaded the prisoner to accept being bled to death instead of being hung by assuring him that this would be painless and he accepted. Quite crazy experiment, right? So the doctor and his team strapped the man to a bed blindfolded him and instead of actually bleeding him, they placed water containers at each of the four bedposts and set them up to drip into basins on the floor to make him believe it was his blood that was dripping. Then they made small scratches on his skin on both arms and legs while the water started dripping into the basins. And now check this out. Although the prisoner was a healthy young man, At the completion of the experiment, when the water stopped tripping, he was dead, despite not having lost a single drop of blood. So what the fuck happened here? So it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting because um, what it suggests, and I need to say suggests, I'm not going to say what it says, it's um, that... Um, the mind of the person uh, had the power to kill him because he believed that he was um, being bled. Okay. And we know that for everything that is happening psychologically, there is also something happening physiologically. So what happened? His mind, like th through thoughts and perceptions and beliefs created some sense of alarm, internal alarm, and sent some messages to the nervous system all the way down to muscles and to the heart. What do you think happened? I have no idea how, how it works, but it's, um, it's mind-body connections for sure. Yeah, for sure. But uh, specifically how it works chemically, I'm not sure. I mean, in this case, you know, 
my interpretation of this, I would say heart failure. You know, after such terror with, you know, increased heartbeat and vasoconstriction and muscle tension and absolute terror for, I don't know how long it took, but I imagine uh, from 40 minutes to a couple hours at least. And after this terror, you know, he couldn't physically handle all the pressure, all the cortisol, all the adrenaline, all the pumping in his narrowed veins and arteries. And I guess the most plausible explanation would be heart failure. Can you think of something else? Yes, I'm thinking what you are saying. It makes total sense that it's heart failure. And um, about the the cortisol and... Um, we would need to to have a autopsy and the cortisol levels tested because mm -hmm. um, I saw in a documentary that there's a cortisol like hormone that it's uh, released into the body when one person knows that uh, is about to die. Wow! And um, it was in a documentary about the death of. Um, a previous Rolling Stone, okay, from the band, yeah, and uh, there's there's uh, some. Uh, his death was uh, was kind of strange, and um, they say that uh, maybe he was murdered because he had that uh, hormone, and so he was kind of drowned. So he was like mm. struggling, and uh, and he had that hormone. So they they speculate that um, he was um, murdered. Never proven, but um, yeah. So we, sh I don't know if there are any reports or autopsy or anything done after that experiment. Because even finding the um, more information about this experiment is kind of difficult. So mm -hmm. I, I couldn't find any, any place else. Where we Me could, neither, that's just this mentioning of the, the report in the book. Yeah, where we could corroborate and um, and uh, have like a confirmation of the this experiment. I couldn't find anywhere. But um, yeah, if we had that, more, more studies and more, maybe we could have uh, some other conclusions. But um, the heart stopped seems like plausible. Okay. And do you know the name of the hormone by any chance, the other hormone? No, I need to watch the movie again. I thought it was cortisol and adrenaline, but if there's something else in the equation, yeah, I will want to know that. Yeah. Okay. So this is all explained under the umbrella of the placebo effect. And to explain what it is, it's a phenomenon in which a person experiences real improvements in symptoms or conditions, despite receiving a treatment that was designed to have no therapeutic properties, like the popular sugar pills that people take, uh, prescribed by doctors, that they think it's an actual medicine, but it isn't. And some people incredibly end up reporting benefits or therapeutic effects. There are other examples, like crazy examples. For example, the the size of the pill. Yes, yes, I wanted to talk about stuff like this, yes. Yeah, the size of the pill. People get better if the pill is bigger than yeah. uh, if it's uh, smaller yeah, compared yeah, yeah. to a smaller one. 
So this is very interesting. And one thing that struck me is the fact that there are placebo surgeries. Yes, I have studies about did, this for this episode. They did, they did surgery on knees. Yes. When they, act, they, they actually did the, the surgery and then others, they would just cut the skin. Yeah. Do nothing, stitch the, the, the skin back. Yeah. And the person would um, be better, be healed. Just Some of them, he, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because he believed that um, the the surgery was uh, was uh, done. Yeah, yeah. I was going to describe a similar study later. So they do the same procedure and they get pretty much the same results. Not everyone that has a surgery to the knee reports feeling better or a decrease in, a decrease in symptoms or better mobility. And they found exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, some some uh, of these placebos goes from thirty percent of the people up to forty or fifty, maybe. Yeah, but third, at least thirty percent of the the whole population that is being tested has improvement. Yeah, and the percentages for the effects of the medicine is even crazier. Yeah, I I read some um, some uh, reports that there were some uh, medication that had the same percentage of healing as uh, the placebo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's um, it's like uh, doing the placebo and and the actual medication or surgery. I don't remember what it was at the, at the time that I read, but it had the same the healing. Yeah. So. Placebo was as effective as the actual stuff. Yeah. It's all about the psychology of believing we're being healed and the subsequent physiology of our internal reactions. So if someone believes they are being healed, their bodies will, pretty much like we mentioned in the last episode, their bodies will relax and enter in a parasympathetic nervous system state which allows for more healing of the tissues, more, you know, um, all the enzymes and hormones and neurotransmitters that are released help with these processes. And flow allows flow. Because um, when we are tense, it um, stops or it slows the flow of, uh, of energy and of uh, blood, of lymph, uh -huh. of, uh, of everything. And um, for example, the view of Chinese medicine on um, on uh, disease is that um, when when there's uh, no flow of energy, there's disease. Wow! It's like uh, if you if you see if you see um, a river, and the river is flowing, the river is beautiful. But if you go to a place where there's some something stuck in the river and the water is not flowing. So there's a, a lot of debris. There's a lot of um, mud. Yeah. So it starts to become a bit um, muddy with the, with the, um, maybe branches. There's there's a lot of things that are stuck in that area. So it starts to accumulate. So the river channels are like our meridians and our veins and the lymphatic channels and the the nerves. Yeah. Yeah, so the meridians of Chinese medicine are very similar to the ones of Japanese medicine. Mm -hmm. 
the meridians in Thai medicine are very similar to the ones in the Ayurvedic medicine. Mm. Uh, there might be other meridians and other um, philosophies that I don't know about, but these four I know a little bit. And um, all of them see the meridians as a flow of, the, of, of a river. It's like the river. And you can see the, the analogy on the river in these different ways. Uh -huh. For example, when you, when you see a river that is, has something stuck, or you see a river that, it, that is flowing, or, or if you make a dam, or if you make something, it, it creates stagnation there. It creates, for example, less water flow um, down river. So it, um, it's, it's analogies for, to understand how, how it works. And you can make that, that analogies and extrapolate to the energy of our body. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, the muscles, they have blood, lymph flowing through them. Uh, and if they are tense, that flow is slowed down. So there's n n not as fast regeneration, not as fast nourishment. Uh -huh. So it, um, it, it doesn't heal as fast as when we are relaxed. And the most amazing thing is that just by thought or feeling or perception, we can activate both these modes, the mode of healing and the mode of, you know, just surviving and being, you know, ready for reaction, for just fighting, flighting, freezing, hiding. Yeah, and there are some other stories, like for example, the, the miraculous healing from churches and from, from people that um, they make a promise and they go to, here in Portugal, they go either to Fátima or to Santiago Compostela yeah. in pil pilgrimages. There are some other smaller that there are also some pil pil pilgrimages, but these are the two more uh, known. And people report uh, healing after some of these um, promises that they make. And Do you they, think it's like the size of the pill? Like, as you <laughs> mentioned earlier, the bigger the pill, the stronger the effect, and maybe the, the most intense the sacrifice that people do, like walking for miles and miles, some people do it barefoot, right? So the or bigger- in, in their knees. Yes, yes, in their knees. Man, that, that was so crazy when I saw yes. that. I was like, man, they are inflicting so much pain. How can they do that? Yes, totally. And maybe that's the reason because they, think and by thinking they believe and by believing they activate bigger processes in more intense cascade effects of healing. Like, because I walked this, I walked this long barefoot or, or with my knees, now God or some higher power will notice me and allow me for the healing that I need. And because they feel so assured God or this higher power, power will provide to them, they will rest assured and they will relax and release all the good chemicals that will facilitate their healing. 
it can be, it can be. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the um, the believing. Yeah, because that's what the 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 most pure message from religion in the church is. You need to believe, and God is always with you, is within you. <laughs> and when we put all these things together, it makes some sense that you have this higher power inside of you that just by believing you can activate it. Yeah, and there's a difference from believing and uh, saying that you believe. There's a big difference. Exactly. Because there's a lot of people that say that they believe, but it's like conditional, conditional yeah. belief. Uh -huh. And um, in religion, there's also some people that um, I was once, um, once someone said that uh, they are like uh, submarine, submarine uh, religious people, meaning that uh, when a submarine, a submarine is hiding and in, in situations of uh, distress, they go afloat. Uh -huh. Yeah, when they are, when if if something is wrong in the submarine, they need to surface, like because <laughs> they need air, they need to. Yeah, I I don't really understand submarines, but it was uh, something like that. <laughs> the analogy. They it's, suddenly uh, remember that God exists. Yeah, when when they need, they like uh, yeah, and this even reminds me of the doors saying that uh, you cannot petition the door the the the, the God with prayer. Like uh, some people pray to ask things or to demand things, mm -hmm. and um, and there's a, a big difference between um, believing and say that they believe. Yes, it's it's uh, it's amazing. It's like uh, when when you when you have a doubt, you don't actually believe. When you need proof, you don't actually believe. Yeah, you are kind of open to it, but you want some more evidence in order to just jump into it. And so you are kind of hesitating. You don't take the leap of faith. Yeah, yeah. This this um, episode is becoming a bit strange. I didn't expect it to be this... Uh, <laughs> Me neither, but... <laughs> religious. Yeah. But, uh, and we are, not, uh, we are not talking about religion. We are talking about placebo. The so, power of the mind, yeah. I'm not religious, even though I respect and can learn a lot from each and every religion, as long as they're not fanatical and just all about, you know, destroying other religions. But I was going to actually change the subject because this was reminding me of toxic positivity as well. The same way that you mentioned that doubt can kind of sabotage the process of healing. Also, toxic positivity can do it because yes, you need to believe without a doubt, but if you only believe and do nothing else for the sake of your well-being and your recovery, then you might actually also sabotage. Let's say that someone believes, you know, they are being healed, but like smoking 40 cigarettes a day and drink, drinking a lot of alcohol and eating all the crappy foods that are there on the supermarket shelves. You know, I, I think this is just some silly examples of not taking care properly of yourself. But if you have that toxic positivity that all is well, if you believe that you are well, 
then I, I also think that is it can sabotage the process. True. You know what else can increase the effect of the placebo? Tell me. How much you pay for a session or treatment? Uh, yeah, I had an um, acupuncture teacher that told me that about um, quits, quitting, quitting smoking. That uh, if, if the, the, the therapy was uh, too, ch too cheap, it would not work. It had to have the commitment of the person and the commitment of the person can be many forms. One mm -hmm. form, it was the... The payment. Yeah. Yeah, that must be valid for every therapy, right? For a lot of things, yeah. Well, in, um, when we think about marketing, if, uh, if uh, a person is not so... I'm not going to say gullible, but if, if the person is not so reliable on that placebo effect, if one pays, one wants to get results. And if it's too expensive, if you don't have results, then you are going to be really mad. And, and maybe um, quit after one treatment when you actually needed three or four. Yeah, for example, for example. Yeah. Yeah, so it's. Um, I think it, doesn't work all the time and doesn't work like um, always? Yeah, the placebo is not fully understood yet. We know a few things and there are a couple factors that have been consistently studied, like these ones we're mentioning, but there's a lot we don't know about the placebo. Yeah, there's also how good the doctor is or how good you think he or she is and the intensity of the placebo effect. So you go to a therapist, someone tells you, this is the best osteopath ever in the world. And you go and you expect the treatment to be amazing. And if there is nothing like to undermine the process, then the process can be more intense. Of course, if someone tells you, this is the best doctor ever, but then you go there and he doesn't do anything properly, I think the effect won't happen, but if you isolate all the other variables and people tell you this is the best doctor, yeah, the effect is higher. You know, what I think when people tell me that someone is the best something, I always think about the Dunning-Kruger effect. I don't know that effect. So it's... Um, the less you know about uh, a subject, the more someone seems that um, knows a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, um, if someone tells me, oh, that guy is the best um, masseuse or is the best uh, card reader or it's the best uh, a lot, I always think, yeah, he knows enough to fool you. Yeah, I see. Makes sense. Yeah, because um, this happened to me one time. I went to uh, like a tarot reading. I was curious about it. And I a colleague of mine said, that that person is uh, is uh, amazing. It's, uh, and I was, okay, okay, let's, let's go. And um, I got there and it was a cold reader. I don't know if you know the, the difference or if I should explain it. Yeah, so I'm going to explain it. Yeah. 
card card reader is uh, someone that reads cards. Yeah. But cold reader is uh, a term that it's used to describe a person that uh, through nuances of expressions and uh, changes of posture or uh, uh, facial expressions of the subject, it's able to understand positives and negatives and conducts a story in order to be right or to convince. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. So if if um, if you if you see, for example, um, a, like uh, those those like uh, mediums that uh, they say, oh, I I I feel about I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling there's someone here that starts. The name starts with an R. Uh, anyone uh, relates, and then someone. Okay, I'm. I'm. Yeah, maybe my father, aunt, grandfather. Someone had a, a name started with an R. Yeah, and I'm here because I want to connect to that person. So they say, "Oh, it's it's me. It's uh, it's my grandfather or whatever." Mm-hmm. And then they will start to talk some things like, "Oh, he's um, he misses you." Yes, some, something like <laughs> something that. Something that can, you can relate to, absolutely. Yeah, some, yeah, something that they can relate and they go even further in order to tell stories. Uh, for example, oh, the person is, um, it's, um, it's a bit uh, sad and there's no reaction from the person. And then he says, and he usually is not like that. And then the person has some reaction so he changes the narrative mm. in order to fit the the subject in order to fit the person that's yeah? a hell of a work you know you are constantly assessing the reactions from the other person in order to adapt your narrative yeah yeah i'm not saying that this is um, easy this is this is like a this is a, must be hard it's a, it's a you can you can um, Uh, see if if you see any documentary about mediums and uh, and the uh, people that uh, have those um, like myth mythbusters of uh, these things. Yeah. There is a docu series on Netflix. It's called Surviving Death, and at least one of the episodes that's total scam. Yeah. And yeah, I, when I say it's a hell of a work, they they are good. I'm not you know on their side. If they are conning people, then I'm not on their side, but still there's a science to it. Like they have their value. If they could put that in service of the higher good, then yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that you can do with cold reader. You can brainwash people with uh, with this uh, knowledge. If uh, if a person, because you, you can see if the person is susceptible or not to mm-hmm. a certain narrative or not. And you can you can um, change, and uh, so it's so it, it happens about about the the Donning Kruger that was what uh, started this conversation. Is um, it's like uh, you you can it, it's like a graph. You know that um, extreme confidence that some people have. And then, uh, if you know some, something about the topic, you know that they are like um, they are scammers. Mm-hmm. But they themselves believe that they know a lot. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, 
when when you when when you know something about a topic but not enough to know that you don't know what you don't know about that topic yeah so when you when you start studying something you think oh this is uh, this is easy but then you start to go deeper and then you start realizing man i there's so much things that i don't know exactly and, and then the more you study the more you think that man i i really have a lot to learn about this thing and then after a while you 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 start to have uh, knowledge about the knowledge that you know Mm-hmm. So it, the graph is like um, the the actual you know and the confidence you have about the topic. It's um, it's like starts like really high because you think you know a lot, and then as you start learning about that topic, your confidence goes down because you 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 are not bullshitting yourself anymore, mm-hmm. and then it starts to go up after a while. It's like uh, when you see people that uh, are PhDs and they say that um, they don't know much about the the topic that <laughs> they are yeah. specialists. Yeah. It's because they study it so much that they know there there's a lot of things that they don't know. And then you you see those um, keyboard warriors that are so confident that they want to lecture that PhD. Keyboard warriors. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's um it, it's the Donning Kruger effect. The the keyboard warriors think they know more than the PhD that spent a lot of years studying. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the Donning Kruger effect. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So how was your reading with a cold reader? So I was um I was there and I was yeah, this this person is is completely bullshitting me. Because I was, because I was um, usually, I'm not very. I don't express uh, a lot of emotions. Sometimes I had, I had this uh, complaint from some girlfriends I had, and um, it's like I don't. They don't know if I'm uh, happy or sad or or, or if I'm surprised or uh, yeah. Because I'm uh, always like with a poker face, natural poker face. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so sometimes in certain situations, so do you do it on purpose? No, no. It's like <laughs> it's it's a it's a default. It's a, yeah. It's a, it's how I am, and um, and so she could not um, tell me things that um, I would uh, engage or that I would. Um, Think that she couldn't read you. Basically, you were blocking her reading so she couldn't say relatable things for you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was that. So, so I thought, yeah, this this person is completely bullshitting me. So there's no. You are the anti-bullshitter. Um. Uh, maybe it's the Donning Kruger effect, <laughs> but I will say yes. No, no. It's it's it. It doesn't work all the time, for sure. And it doesn't work on all topics, for sure, as well. Okay. Still, you have some defense. That's actually good to have some bullshit-proof defense mechanism. Yeah, if, if, um, if people talk to me and tell me about things that I don't really know nothing about, then... Um, I would be very, I would be very gullible some years ago, and now I'm more like um, skeptical. 
Yeah. That's Much good. more skeptical right yeah. now than what I was uh, some years ago. Yeah, I guess that comes with maturity and with some conning from others as well. It might lift our defenses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we were talking about statistics uh, a while ago and you mentioned that up to 30% of people are susceptible to the placebo effect. At least that's what I interpreted from what you said. And I was actually checking the numbers for treatments and I was surprised. I heard that a few years ago when I was doing my master's. One of my teachers, she commented about a researcher named Irving Kirsch who has been studying the effectiveness of drugs like antidepressants against the placebo effect. And so I decided to check what he's been doing research-wise. And, you know, according to his data, which was obtained and then replicated on his meta-analysis from 2008, up to 82% of the effects from antidepressants are mimicked by the placebo, 82%. It's crazy. You know that medications have to be tested against placebo in order to be approved for market. Yep. Okay, and this means that the placebo can do almost as much as an antidepressant. It's, it's marvelous. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I read somewhere, or maybe I'm... Um misinterpreted or uh, my memory is failing that there are some some of those medications that are actually nothing more than a placebo they work only as placebo nothing else okay that's interesting you know some of them don't even hit the markets because they are less effective than the placebo and from those that hit the markets they have at least for antidepressants and FDA-approved drugs, they have to have a significant effect compared to a significantly higher effect compared to the placebo effect. Yeah, but you know, for, I don't know, other types of medication or supplements, maybe, yeah, it's only placebo. And when we say only placebo, it's good. You just don't have to spend that amount of money unless only by spending that amount of money you can believe that it has an effect. <laughs> yeah. When when I read it, I was... Um, I don't know where, where I have that information because I must have um, written it down to, to further research. But I was kind of angry with the pharmaceutical industry by, by that information. And um, yeah, but it's uh, it's what it is. And uh, if it works, then um, yeah, is it good or is it bad? I don't know. If it reached the desired result, then maybe it's good. I don't know. Is it ethical? That is also questionable, but... Uh, <laughs> That's the main problem. You know, you can grab a sugar pill or, you know, just... Uh, something without anything inside and give it to people. But when you make them pay a lot for that and limit the access to it and you profit from that, I think it's not ethical anymore. Yeah, that's my, my thoughts. Yeah, you know, I thought that um, homeopathy was a kind of placebo 
homeopathy was something that I I had some difficulty understanding mm-hmm. what it was. I read the book about it, how it works, and I was like, man, this makes no sense at all. And uh, once I exchanged a treatment with a girl, and she did um, homeopathy, and she prescribed me this uh, these pills. And okay, I'm doing this uh, exchange, so I'm going to take it. I took it, and I got better. So you gave her therapy and she gave you homeopathic treatment? Yeah, yeah. She gave me... She, she did She did this crazy thing. She was like... Um, so how, how can I explain? So she had this ruler and she was uh, kind of touching me or whatever. And she had, the, she had something like a disc or something in, in her other hand. And she would go up and down the ruler... And then she would stop in a certain number and she would like uh, draw a line there or something. And um, she would then change to another ruler with another measure, do the same thing. And then she, at the end, she said, okay, so you have, um, throughout my readings, you need to take this uh, medication and you will be better. Wow. And I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was really strange, really strange. After that, I took the those uh, pills, and I was like uh, skeptical, as yeah, I was because I did not understand. I read the book, made no sense, mm-hmm. um, and then I felt better. So, man, it's like um, there's a lot of things that I don't really understand, but uh, they work. So I just—it could have been placebo. Accept it. Yeah, could could be. I'm not trying to say that all homeopathic treatments are placebo. Some people say that I don't. I confess that I also struggled to accept it and understand it, but I respect it now, especially because there are studies made on animals. Yeah, and the animals get better with homeopathic medicine, and with acupuncture as well. There are some studies on um, on uh, yeah. animals as well. Yeah, but in your case, it could have been placebo. It's not because you have doubts that you completely block the effect, because there are also studies in which people know that they are taking the placebo. It's called an open label placebo. Oh, so the ex the, the researchers who are conducting the experiment, they inform people, okay, as a participant, you are taking a placebo. So let's see what happens. And some of those people actually report healing or getting better, even if they know they are on the placebo group. Okay, okay. I guess even if you have doubts, if you have some hope that, yeah, this might do something because this does something for other people, so it might do something to me, and then you are open to some effects. You might be blocking a bit, but you allow some magic to happen inside of you. Okay. Okay. Can be that, yeah. Well, this is me trying to interpret all this data. I might be wrong. Oh, it may- makes sense. Yeah. All researchers from the, the placebo field say the same thing. It's not fully understood yet. So 
a lot of things are playing a role. One thing for sure, the power of the mind is absolutely, you know, monumental. Yeah. Well, there's um, something that I don't know if it was clear from the start of this uh, episode, is that uh, the placebo can work both therapeutical and uh, also to create disease. It can, it, yeah. it, it works both... Um, Yeah, in a, in a positive way or in a negative way. Yeah, what happened in the example we mentioned, the experiment to the prisoner, it was the negative effect and that is called the nocebo effect. It's like under the umbrella of what placebo is, you have placebo and nocebo. When you think you are being harmed or that something toxic is getting inside of your body, even if it's not and it's not, So you might experience all the prejudice, all the suffering and symptoms. It happens with headaches, for instance. Uh, explain. Like there was an experiment in which they told people, okay, there is a lot of Wi-Fi and cell phone signal in this room. So you might experience headaches as a result. And many people experience headaches, even though there were no signals at all. <laughs> okay. And I, I mentioned headaches, but it can happen with a lot of things. A lot of things. Okay, okay. So hypnosis can um, act on placebo. It can. I think so. Okay. Because because if uh, if you if you hypnotize someone and you convince them ab about something, if it changes the person's beliefs. The person will believe that it's uh, being healed. Okay. And the mind creates uh, the proper setting for it to work. Okay. I understand what you mean. Because I'm not trained in, in hypnosis, I don't know how it works. I know it helps people be fully conscious of the processes around something like a trauma or a tendency or a behavior. And then it gives them more agency to reprocess it and find new narratives. I don't know how it works to change the narrative in order for someone to believe they are being healed from something, but I guess it can work. Yeah, I guess it can work. Yeah. I'm not saying that uh, hypnosis is a placebo. I'm saying that uh, it can activate the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. it's, it's different. It's a, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood. Uh, so I'm uh, clarifying. I also don't really know much about uh, hypnosis, but some things that I read about hypnosis is in the, um, in the beginnings of hypnosis, it could do more harm than good. And if the hip hypnotherapist is not um, good, it can do also harm. Yeah, there's a lot of planted memories, like Inception. Exactly, exactly. I, uh, that was what I was going to say. Like, uh, it can create um, seeds, like um, the same as used in neuromarketing or used in, uh, in a lot of uh, brainwashing Yeah, and uh, a lot of um, news confirmation or something. It's um, if you plant a seed... It, it can grow. Yeah. And uh, we can argue that um, there are a lot of uh, hypnosis 
techniques being used in uh, neuromarketing, for example. Yeah. Because yeah. you see the same thing over and over again, you start to to get familiar with it and then you yeah. you you want it. Or if you you see the same news over and over again, you start to believe it, even if you don't uh, confirm if it's true or not. You just start to believe it after a while. So, uh, yeah, we are constantly being brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> Now this is becoming a conspiracy theory uh, episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could go th down that rabbit hole or not. Not today, <laughs> maybe later. <laughs> But placebo is ultimately a narrative inside your mind. It's like playing and you know allowing for a casket of effects and narratives are present in other therapies and other phenomena and in marketing, in, in the media. It's some things converge and overlap and they can like intersect in some nuances. Yeah, I guess with some bad news, you can cause a nocebo effect. Like during the pandemic, for sure, all that panic might have increased the symptoms or the anxiety or yeah. symptoms that are similar to the actual symptoms of a virus, like difficulty to breathe and chest pain, exhaustion, all of that can be explained by anxiety. I'm not saying that the symptoms weren't real. They were, but they could be exacerbated. Like the, the same way we, we said for psychosomatics, it can exacerbate existing diseases and symptoms. Also for nocebo, because the basis of psychosomatics is stress and inflammation and tension. And with the nocebo, you create a narrative, a negative narrative that will make the person feel stress and tension, which, which will result in inflammation and all that thing. So these things will intersect and will have very similar processes when they happen. Yeah. So... This to say that uh, placebo can enhance the the therapy, yeah, or not, or not, or can or can sabotage the the therapy as well. If there's a takeaway from this discussion, is that we can make that happen ourselves. We have that power within all of us. Yeah. So many layers to this dynamics. Earlier you said that sometimes people talk so confidently about things that others who don't know anything about it will be totally convinced. And I immediately thought about breathwork and those breathwork ceremonies. And I do breathwork. I believe in it. I know the science of it. And it's something I love and respect but there are many people doing breathwork that don't know the actual science and they say a lot of bullshit. Like for instance, that CO2 is a toxin, that a lot of oxygen is good for the body. And the more oxygen, the better. Exactly. Yeah. The more you fill your chest with air, the more medicine you have inside of you and all that shanti shanti mumbo jumbo bullshit. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking about it because maybe 
a great deal of the positive effect is because of the placebo. People believe they are doing that medicine to themselves. And if they knew how much free radicals are formed during hyperventilation and the risks that it can have for all tissue, oxidation, inflammation and deterioration, they might have a lot of nocebo effects. And breathwork, even with hyperventilation, even with prolonged hyperventilation like holotropic or other new forms of uh, breathwork, it can have positive effects in understanding your trauma, in releasing body tension. But the way it's spoken about, it's the way it's explained to people is very well put to create like this uh, ceremonial setting in which people are healing. And maybe they do it on purpose to create that therapeutic settings and they don't inform about the potential risks. But you know, this is something that came to my mind while we were talking. And because our next episode will be about breathwork, then I decided to share this reflection. Okay, to make people expecting. <laughs> Yeah, and to be curious and to be informed. Yeah, above all, to be informed and aware. Yeah, well, I'm happy with what we shared. Do you want to add something? No, I'm good. Okay. So for those who are listening, feel free to get in touch with us, share your questions, you know, we are available connect with us on our platforms, Spotify, Instagram. So see you soon. See you. Stay plugged.